For many filmgoers, the Oscars stand as the pinnacle of cinematic success. To win such an award is, as it says in the base of each statuette, an outstanding achievement. A few people have managed to win two, and fewer still have won even more. For directors, one is usually the sum total. But there are some who have won twice, like Fred Cinnamon, who made From Here to Eternity and A Man for All the Seasons. Or David Lean for Bridge in the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia. Or Oliver Stone for Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July. John Ford holds the record with four. But what about writers? There is William Goldman for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and All the President's Men. Ruth Power Jabvala for A Room with a View and Howard's End. And earlier this year, Alexander Payne won his second Oscar for adapting the book The Descendants. His previous win was for Sideways. What about your agent? Did you hear anything yet? Nope. Well, what do you think's going on? Could be anything. You've been checking your messages? Obsessively. Huh. Guess I'll just have to learn to kiss off another three years of my life. But what about a writer and director who wins both in the same year? Billy Wilder became the first such hyphenate in 1945 when he wrote and directed The Lost Weekend. Don't wipe it away, Nat. Let me have my little vicious circle. You know, the circle is the perfect geometric figure. No end, no beginning. He went one step further in 1960 with The Apartment, which he wrote, directed and produced. Shut up and deal. Francis Ford Coppola equaled Wilder's achievement when, in 1974, he wrote, directed and produced The Godfather Part Two. I'm your older brother, Mike, and I was stepped over. That's the way Pop wanted it. It ain't the way I wanted it! And, of course, the Coen brothers did it in 2007 with No Country for Old Men. You know what date is on this coin? No. 1958. It's been travelling 22 years to get here. And now it's here. And it's either heads or tails. And you have to say, call it. Well, look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. These achievements are beyond outstanding. They are phenomena, the likes of which, well, at some point in the future, someone else may well waltz off with three Oscars on the one night. But what I'm about to say most probably will not. Writing and directing two movies in consecutive years and winning Oscars for both. That's what Joseph L. Mankiewicz did in 1950. All About Eve was nominated for an unprecedented 14 Academy Awards and won six, two for Joseph L., and that was a repeat of what he had done the year before, writing and directing A Letter to Three Wives. Two films, four Oscars. And as if that were not enough, between All About Eve and A Letter to Three Wives, Mankiewicz wrote and directed two other films. Count that, four films in two years. Now, I'm no sceptic, but I sincerely doubt that what Mankiewicz achieved will ever happen again. The studio system back then was geared towards a rapid production turnover. There was no television, no DVD sales and no computer game tie-ins. The equivalent writer-directors that we have today would be Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson and Alexander Payne. In 20 years, they have made 19 films. Billy Wilder made 17 films in a 20-year stretch. Now, I'm not saying modern filmmakers are lazy... I'm saying that the modern economic model simply won't allow it, not at the high end anyway. Now, if the surname Mankiewicz sounds in any way familiar, it might be because Joe's brother, Herman, was also a screenwriter and an Oscar winner. He wrote one of the most famous opening lines in movie history. All About Eve has many merits. Its themes are juicy. Stardom and the vanity that goes with it. Ageing and the insecurities that go with it. 
talent and the killer instinct needed to bolster it. It has fantastic dialogue and such prominent female roles that for once the men take the back seat. All About Eve has four great parts, five if you count Marilyn Monroe's funny cameo, and it tells the story of Margot Channing, a star of the Broadway theatre who is concerned that her neckline isn't what it used to be. Margot is played by the great Betty Davis, and Davis was never greater than in this picture. Around her she has her personal assistant, Birdie, played with deadpan humour by Thelma Ritter, and elsewhere there is Margot's best friend, Karen Richards. Only Margot doesn't really treat Karen as her best friend. You see, Karen, played by Celeste Holm, is married to Lloyd Richards, the author of Margot's plays. So you see how Margot uses her friends to get, well, to remain a star. And into that tasty little plot comes the ambitious and obsequious Eve Harrington. She is played with unsettling civility by Anne Baxter. And altogether, this female quattro amounts to perhaps the greatest congregation of roles ever afforded to women in one Hollywood film. It takes a while to get going, but once Mankiewicz has his ensemble in place, the fur flies. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. That is what makes the film so memorable, but it is also what ultimately detracts from it. As a piece of cinema, it isn't particularly engaging. Sure, the drama is great, but you can get great drama in the theatre and on the radio. All About Eve gives you great dialogue, but never once does Mankiewicz's script let the language of film take over. The scenes, fun as they are, go on and on and on. People sit and talk, and then they get up and swap seats and talk some more. And they keep talking, which is fine if all you want is talking. But cinema isn't just about talking. It's also about light and movement and editing, and music and costumes that can say as much about a personality as ten lines of dialogue. Each of the principals has their own moment, and in those moments everyone is allowed to upstage everyone else. And so All About Eve presents some pretty potent poisons. At the start, those poisons are all safely kept in glass jars, but as the story unfolds, they spill loose, and by the end, the film simply can't help but drink its own venom. And I doubt that was the point. You have to keep your teeth sharp. All right. But I will not have you sharpen them on me. Or on Eve. What about her teeth? What about her fangs? She hasn't cut them yet, and you know it. So when you start judging an idealistic, dreamy-eyed kid by the barroom benzedrine standards of this megalomaniac society, I won't have it. Eve Harrington has never by word, look, thought or suggestion indicated anything to me but her adoration for you and her happiness at our being in love. And to intimate anything else doesn't spell jealousy to me, it spells a paranoic insecurity that you should be ashamed of. God printed! What happens in the next reel? Do I get dragged off screaming to the snake pits? Another film was released that same year, and while All About Eve was set on Broadway, this other film was set in Los Angeles, and where All About Eve was about trying to hold on to your fame, the other film was about trying to win it back. Sunset Boulevard was written and directed by Billy Wilder, and for me is the better of the two. Both films are about fame and despair and the solitude that they bring, which is quite an unusual cocktail for Hollywood movies. Usually they are about dreams and the getting of those dreams, and once those dreams are realised, the movie finishes and we all leave happily ever after. In other words, Hollywood doesn't encourage its audience to reflect. Instead, it just wants its audience to watch in awe at the supposed beauty of fame. And so many people know me. I wish I did. I wish someone would tell me about me. You're Margot. Just Margot. And what is that? Besides something spelled out in light bulbs, I mean. Besides something called a temperament. Which consists mostly of swooping about on a broomstick and screaming at the top of my voice. Infants behave the way I do, you know. They carry on and misbehave. They'd get drunk if they knew how. When they can't have what they want. 
when they feel unwanted or insecure or unloved. All About Eve is available on DVD, and if you buy it, select the two-box set from Cinema Reserve. That edition provides great running commentaries that detail what went on behind the scenes. Here's a taster. On the first day of principal photography, Celeste Holm arrived on set. Holm played Karen Richards, Margot's best friend. Margot, as we know, was played by Betty Davis. Holm saw Betty Davis in her chair and went up to her. Good morning, she said with a smile. Davis took one look at her and said, oh shit, good manners. Thank you.